Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Passing the baton. This is a marathon, as you know, not only in the garden, but also at the radio station. So, folks, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. If you have any questions or concerns about your yard, your landscape, your house plants, or anything, no, I guess it can't be anything, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We get together every Saturday morning to discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, house plants, whether you use potting mix or potting soil, soil improvements, pruning bugs, diseases, plant removals, plant installation, and how to make the best choices. Remember, my words are strictly to open opportunities. After that, it's all going to be up to you, work-wise, mental, and physical in this great marathon. And there is no sprints in the outdoors or even with houseplants. Well, I guess you can buy a houseplant and stick it in. You know, that's a sprint. So anyway. This is your show, and I appreciate you being here. And thanks to Greg. He's producing again. Wow, it's been a, I don't know how many weeks in a row I've had the same producer. But sometimes they always bring in two if they think I'm going to be extra wild and crazy to kind of keep me a little bit calmer. But anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, written five gardening books, two are available at various locations, Revised Missouri Gardener's Guide, and Month by Month Gardening in Missouri. And I write articles for Missouri Gardener Magazine. Actually, my article that I always write, they put my, me on the last page just inside the cover. I can't believe that. I'm going to have to talk to the people. Why am I the last one? Who knows? Who cares? Anyway, during the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, uh, you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And it steps off right now. Whoa. The end of the summer tour. We only got a few days of summer left, about 11 days or so. And I thought, well, why not take a tour of my own yard? So east to west. East is where the alley is behind our house. Or actually, it's on the I guess it is behind our house. But that bed space has purple comb flowers, which are finished blooming, but they were brought in from seeds from a neighbor down the alley and across the alley. So now I've got three purple comb flower plants. I've got some young ones, too, so I'm going to have a purple comb flower bed space back there. And uh, I'm leaving the seeds of the purple comb flower there unless, you know, in case some of the local birds want to have some of the seeds. There's in the bed space also lemon verbena, which I cut back in mid-July and is recovering nicely, and a gold moss or sedum acre, small leaf boxwood, which was having a t- very difficult time in a different bed space, so I put it back by the alley and thought, well, if you're going to die, I'd rather have you die back here than in the front yard or whatever. And uh, also, let's see, what else? There's sweet alyssum. 
There's Euonymus. I took some cuttings from Euonymus because I guess it was from the uh, compost dumpsters. And it, when they dumped it, it had fallen off. And I thought, well, I'll just take it. And we're laying, they were laying in the alley. So I just took some cuttings and stuck them in this bed back there by the alley. And now it's getting a little bit too aggressive. But uh, also there's, besides the Euonymus, there's some castor beans. And these are ones that I originally planted, but they self-seed and come back every year. As I move, as we move west, the backyard moonflower vine on the fence uh, probably every night, early morning, 30-plus blooms. I mean, these are pure white flowers that are probably four to five, maybe six inches across. I mean, that thing is striking. I have an old wash tub, which is filled with purple and chartreuse, different varieties of sweet potato vine. They're a great contrast. Two of my four-potted knockout roses, wow, they have just been nothing but fantastic this whole year. And I have large, uh, large pots of elephant ears and cannas. And that they dominate the patio, where I also have some portulaca. The portulaca has actually dropped the seeds that were growing in pots several years ago, and now they just grow in between the cracks of the stones that are in the patio. Zoiza, I have zoiza, and it has never looked better, but it has taken a lot of watering to keep it look healthy, to keep it looking healthy. There's more sweet alyssum, and then I have a fountain that I made out of a planter pot near the back door. And uh, then on the north side, foundation-wise, mugle pine. Underneath the mugle pine, I have purple palace coral bells, two different varieties of hosta and two different varieties of ferns. Gold moss as well in there. Then closer to the front door, I have kaffir lilies, croton, C-R-O-T-O-N, uh, sweet potato vine, different variety, and purple tradescantia. So all kinds of different stuff there as well. Those are all in pots. And I also have a fountain right by the front door. Yellow Creeping Jenny is mixed in with the gold moss in that particular space. Also there on the north side, Leland Cypress and a boxwood. And another forest of castor beans. Man, those things are wild. There's what gave me the rash, not the ones in the ground in the pots because I kept moving them around. My fault. But um, as you go around the front, there's going to be more. The two more pots of the knockout roses that I got at the... Stark Brothers Nursery, a couple two years, I guess it was last year when they had their 200th anniversary, and I have been very impressed with them in pots, and I just, I cut them back, stick them in the garage, make sure that no sunlight gets on them, and they really, really work well. So I'm very happy with them. There's also another trellis of moonflower vines. The lawn in the front, same as in the back. I've had to water a lot. There's no getting around it. But man, they look, the lawn looks great. As good as it could possibly do. And I have used herbicides and a lot of hand weeding in all my lawn areas as well. Between the sidewalk and street, well, that's where the golden acre or gold moss is, the sedum acre. And there are also the three sugar maples because we're on a corner. We go around the turn. One of the three doesn't look so good. So I don't know what's happening with it. There's some portulaca in there and some spotted uh, yellow creeping jenny as well. Well, everything really got watered and... Uh, Boy, oh boy, it's really been kind of a tough year because we get drowned and then it dries for five, five weeks or something. And it's just been nuts. But anyway, fertilizing, yes, I do that as well. And uh, how much fertilizing? Well, it depends upon the actual plants and where they are growing and what I sort of, a, I guess, a guess. I guess a guess. But anyway, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. In the theme for 2017, basically through the whole year, except for a couple small windows of time, is water, 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 water. It's extremely important this time of year because... The plants need to get the root systems as healthy healthy as they possibly can as they go into winter time because the winter is generally a dehydration time. So get everything watered. I mean, I'm talking lawns, I'm talking trees, I'm talking shrubs, perennials, whatever it happens to be. Let's head out to Chessfield for the first call of the day and go into John's yard. Hi, John. Good morning. I got two different topics. One is a water garden, and the other is a brand new lawn and fertilizing it. Okay. Uh, on the water garden, I've had uh, a 500-gallon fish pond in my backyard for over two decades. When I first put it in, I bought a half dozen water lilies, uh, some uh, uh, pygmy papyrus. That's hard to say this early in the morning. Right. <laughs> and then at the beginning of every season, I would buy one water lettuce plant and one water hyacinth. I also had started with two dozen goldfish, just a little itty-bitty ones. Over the years, those fish grew to where some of them were as big as a small bluegill. And I've never had problems with the, the plants growing. And it got to the point where those <clears throat> water hyacinths and, and water lilies, by the end of July, I was pulling half of them out every week. To yeah, because they were so covering the, the whole water. surface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, about in 2015, the uh, neighborhood raccoons discovered my buffet for them. Ooh. <laughs> they had about half, I was by then I was up to over two dozen goldfish, and they ate about half of them. 2016, the water hyacinth and the water lettuce just barely hung on. By the this spring, I was down to half dozen fish, and this spring, the water hyacinth and the water lettuce. Well, the water lettuce died, and there's just vaguely the remains of the hyacinth. Does, the amount of fish in the water has something to do with how well the plants do. And one other thing, I discovered that the tap water here is better, higher than 8.2 pH. Right. And I, every spring, some years ago when I discovered that, so when I set up, I clean it every year. So when I put the new water in, I pour in some vinegar to get the pH okay. But since there's, not not so many fish in there. Is the pH coming up or is something else getting out of balance? Well, the, the fish have nothing to do with the pH. But what it may be is over the years, you know, fish go to the bathroom and that yes. becomes fertilizer. So that may have impacted your plant material as far as its performance, the annual plant material like your water hyacinths and your water lettuce. So that uh -huh. would be my guess on that. Now, has the environment changed where the pool is? Like have trees no. grown over the top of it, branching and well, things it, like that? It was always somewhat shady. The, the trees are getting bigger, so there's a little bit more shade. But, right. But without the water lettuce and hyacinths, there's more algae growing in the water. Right. But, I mean, that's to me, that's probably what's, you know, the performance of the annuals, I mean, it's really, you know, crucial for them to be in pretty much full sun. And so right. even if it seems not, like it's not that much difference in the shade sun factor, that would be my guess on that. And then the fish are fertilizing the water? Absolutely. Okay. 
So get more fish. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or just, I mean, you've had 20 years of, let's say, 18 years of great success. Maybe yeah. it's time to just think in a different direction. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, but I really like it. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Do the same thing anyway, over and over and over again. Back to the uh, next step. The, the, uh, putting, uh, you know, I, I just reseeded my lawn, you know, overseeding kind of thing. And right. seeded the bare spots. And I could have sworn I heard you say something two weeks ago about not to do fertilizer when you when you're doing that. Did I hear my? Did I hear you correctly? No, I mean you can put a seed starter fertilizer down. Probably if it was related, if I was saying anything about fertilizer, it's getting near the end of the time to not fertilize zoysia lawns. But putting right. seed down and putting seed starter fertilizer and even a layer of top dressing with compost—that's what I always recommend. Yeah, I put I put compost over the bare spots after I put the seed down, so because right. it, it stayed more. So like something like thirteen, thirteen, thirteen. Like My tendency would be to stay away from that kind. Those are developed for like crop type circumstances for a one season type thing. I'd go for a little bit more expensive and a better type fertilizer. Go with the so, seed starter for the first application after the seeds down, and then do winterizer after that. So the triple twelves, triple thirteens, those have you know extravagant levels with a thirteen and you know twelve percent of phosphorus and potassium, and sometimes they can cause problems in your lawn with because they don't dissipate all that well. They sit there for uh-huh. years and years and years, create high levels of that, and that makes a problem for your lawn for the future. Uh, okay, that's what's going on down at the lake. About four years ago, I called you to try to figure out how to get grass to grow at my house at Lake of the Ozarks, where they have something that's only resembles soil. Right. <laughs> the pH was well over eight. Well, I got it. I used you put me. I don't remember what you said, but you put me on the right track, and I did some research, and I found that I could at the Lawn and Garden Star in Camdenton, I could get ammonium sulfate. Right. And boy, that's got this thing growing to where I had to cut the thing. I, I, I didn't. I regretted going down the lake. I couldn't get in the boat. Couldn't go in the water. I had to cut the grass. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, John. Greatly appreciate it, and good luck with your water garden and your lawn as well. Let's go to Susan in St. Charles. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hi. Hi. So I've got a couple questions. Um, My first question, uh, when is it safe to move uh, knockout roses and uh, crepe myrtle plants? Uh, With either one, my tendency would be to get it done ASAP. So get okay. the area, you know, get the soil ready where you're moving them to, and then move them as soon as you possibly can, so the root systems can get well established before, you know, winter comes. Whether we're going to have a winter or not, who knows? Uh huh. And then my other question uh, is in regard to hydrangeas. I've got four around the uh, the back of my home. They get um, some a little bit of afternoon sun, but the situation is uh, my husband had pruned them back in the spring. So right now I've just got very healthy looking plants, but they did not flower. So I'm wondering, are they going to still flower late fall or probably won't see any flowers? Yeah. My guess is you won't see any flowers. So, you know, just keep them away from them. No more pruning. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Because if it's a variety that blooms in the springtime, then if he pruned them, you know, coming out of spring or out of winter uh-huh. into early spring, he just cut all the potential flower buds off. Right. It's a it's the endless summer variety. Yeah, it's supposed so. to be rebloomer, but you should just people got to stop pruning their hydrangeas. I mean, yeah. I don't know why we're so addicted to pruning them things, but we really create 
a nightmare with them. I think just leave them alone. Find us. Look how big they're going to get. Find a spot where you can just leave them alone and let them take care of themselves. They don't need to be you know, know, given a haircut all the time. Right, because the, I mean, they get their growth. It comes from the dead wood. I mean, what appears to look like dead wood in early spring right. comes from that, correct? Exactly. All right. Thanks so much. Yep. Good luck with that. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, last couple weeks, I've seen a couple hummingbirds every week, and they are heading south because they don't want to be stuck where it's cold. But the uh, last few days, I didn't see any hummingbirds, so I don't know if they've all sort of passed through, at least passed by my yard. But uh, they are really fantastic. They, they were a little disappointed. The only thing I had in my yard that they, you know, kind of quasi were drawn to were the knockout roses. They went, nope, there's nothing here for us. And the cannas, which have red flowers. But so they said, eh, we'll go someplace else. Maybe that's why. They sent the word out saying, don't bother with this guy's yard. Also, this time of year, if you do and you want to put a pre-emergent down in your lawn and you're not doing any regular seeding in your lawn, what you're eliminating the chance of growing, unless it's already germinated, then a pre-emergent doesn't doesn't do anything. But there's still going to be a continuous germination of the seeds of these annual weed seeds. It's chickweed, it's henbit, it's annual bluegrass, the Persian speedwell. Those are four of the major ones that... By putting a pre-emergent down this time of year, you could at least reduce the population. So I was at a house this past Wednesday, and he was, he was trying to find some uh, chickweed growing in his lawn. Couldn't find any because I guess they either had it all under control or it's still so small because it just recently germinated that it was very difficult to find. So anyway, that's why you put a pre-emergent down this time of year. Sunset Hills is where George lives. Hi, George. How are you? Hey, just a couple of questions. Uh, number one, St. Louis composting. Do they have Hanson's mix there? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't think so. They're yeah, okay. completely separate companies. Okay, because I know Kirkwood Material carries it, but uh, you know, I thought maybe they had it too. But anyway, the second question: I listened to you uh, describe your lawn. Are is are you able to make an appointment to come by and see your yard? Yeah, just go to my website, and there's an email address, and just email me, and uh, we can set up a time. Hey, great. Thank you. Yep. And now let's stay in the letter G. We're going from George to Grace's yard. Grace lives in Kirkwood. Grace, how are you? Good morning. I'm great this morning. Great. My question is um, about uh, sod. I've got new sod going in uh, my yard within the next couple of weeks. And I was wondering, this fall and for about the next 12 months, what's the basic instructions with new sod? Basically, you want to make sure it does not dehydrate. So the first couple days, you're going to have to make sure that you keep it well watered for the first couple weeks, and especially as dry as it's actually been. So, and beyond that, uh, just go, uh, what kind of sod is it, first of all? Is it bluegrass fescue? Um, I'm I'm guessing that's what it's going to be. Okay. So you don't even know? No. (laughs) But first of all, before the sod is put down, I mean, to have the soil at least corrugated, if not even turned over, you know, and leveled out and everything else is going to be to the advantage of the sod. Absolutely. What about uh, any kind of sort of uh, treatments this fall? 
winterizer or anything like that. Uh, certainly. But let it get established. How do you know it's established? You say, well, the best thing to do is to know the root system is already penetrating into the ground. Is just go out and just tug on the corner of the pieces of sod. And once it starts resisting, then the root system's advanced into the soil. That's the time when you can put a fertilizer down. Awesome. Very good. Thank you so much. Yep. And now let's go to... Uh, Pam, is that where we're yes. going? Pam, and she's on I-64. Whoa, are you driving? <laughs> yes, I am. Oh. <laughs> Listen, you couldn't find, you didn't have any uh, hummingbirds, you said. I, I not for the, I had a bunch of them come through, but I haven't seen any in the last few days. Okay, in St. Peter's, I was at a friend's house cleaning daylilies for the sale at the garden this weekend, and there had to be 75 of them. What? And then, yes. And in Troy, well, they got about 10 feeders. Um, <laughs> and they were actually going by the one woman who had a red shirt on. They didn't land on her, though. And then in our yard in Troy, Missouri, we've got probably 25, 30 of them. Oh, you're kidding. No, wow. and we've, we've got about eight, eight feeders. Wow, we see. I don't feed them, so I make them sort of like pick and choose what I have there. And maybe yeah. if I, you know, if I offered a better menu, I would have more of them come hey. for a longer period of time. Sugar water, twenty-five <laughs> percent <Right. laughs> <25% laughs> sugar water. <laughs> I think that's what I would want to drink. Don't they call that lemonade? <laughs> uh, well, maybe. <laughs> but but I mean. It's, we were on the deck, and we were actually, like, dodging the hummingbirds. That's yes, fantastic. Pretty cool. Pretty I love cool. them when they, they sort of fly up to you and look, look you in the face like, let's yeah. see, can I get some moisture or anything from you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're still around. I guess they're on the move. Right. Headed south. Headed south. Right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Certainly. Now let's go to Marilyn, or let's go to Danny, or Denny, Denny in St. Louis. Hi, Denny. Hey, how you doing? Very I know good. you've answered this before, but <clears throat> what's the best time to cut back shoes? Uh, basically, you don't want to do any pruning. I, I prefer not to do it as we get too late into the season. So if you need to prune them, do it. You know, get it done as quickly as you can because you don't want raw ends of the branches if we get a cold snap very, you know, very early on. Because we don't know what our weather's going to do. Remember the other day, it was like, I mean, it was only... It was like 41 or something like that. That's not going to do any damage, but it's still we can see how goofy our weather was. It was 41 or something for a low, and then two days prior to that, the high was 95. So get your pruning done if you're going to do it in the fall. Personally, I like to wait until we come out of wintertime, so if there's any winter damage, I can prune that off at the same time before the new growth begins in the springtime, so sometime around March, April. That's my personal preference. But you can do it going into the winter, you know, in the fall. Okay, what about hosta? Uh, hosta, wait until the foliage virtually turns yellowish. You don't have to wait till it flops and lays on the ground. That's and what it's doing now. It's starting to turn yellow. Yeah, then probably they're not going to really be making too much more chlorophyll, so you could cut them, you know, cut them down to the ground today or whenever. Okay, thank you. Certainly. And now let's go to Ron from Edwardsville. No, let's go to Maryland and Oakville. Hi, Maryland. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. Uh, I heard earlier you talking about a perennial moonflower. Uh, well, it's actually an annual vine. Uh, is, is there a perennial? Not that I know of. 
Okay, I did moonflower for the first time this year, and I'm hardly getting any flowers. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you, I didn't fertilize enough this year. Yeah, you should really. I mean, they're an annual, so every two weeks, do you have them in pots or in the ground? In the ground. Yeah. So every, you know, every two to three weeks, they should be fertilized. I mean, mine are huge and massive. The leaves are really giant, and the flowers are, I mean, it's fantastic. Sometimes we look out, and it's just amazing the amount of flowers on them. Okay. I'll, I'll, it's in full sun. That's what I want, right? Exactly, yes. Okay. I'll keep trying on them. <laughs> uh, secondly, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, get onto a routine with fertilizing, because if you don't, then it's gonna, you're going to be disappointed like you are this year. You might get a lot of leaves, but the flowering... On any plant, flowering takes a lot of energy, and to have this energy to produce flowers, they got to be well fed. Okay, and like like Miracle Grow, water. Yeah, something like that. Any you know, virtually I use you know a couple different things. Just whatever day it is, I feel like I want to use this, this, or this, and I just kind of rotate. Okay, can I ask a few other questions? Sure. Uh, Compost after aeration. Right. Okay. Uh, how do I ensure that I'm not bringing bugs in my house, like on the rubber tree and the shuffleera? Uh, you mean related to compost? Oh, no, no, no. I'm oh. sorry. I'm into bringing my plants into the house now for the fall. Okay. Basically, just look on the underside of the leaf, you know, get some insecticidal soap, spray everything, wipe anything off that you, you're suspicious, and that's the best way to do it. Okay, so nothing systemic. Right. You don't really need systemic on houseplants. Also, you might get a, you know, get a soil drench and pour it in case there might be fungus gnats in your potting mix. Okay. And one more if you have time. Sure. Uh, I do quite a bit of plants in bulbs also. I mean, no, no, no. Uh, bulbs in pots right. also. And you just put them in the garage. Uh, well, well, you, put your, you put your knockout roses in, in the, the garage, garage, right? The pots that have the bulbs planted in them, they stay out all winter long in okay, full weather, ice, snow, everything else. Okay. But my perennials can come inside. Uh, your perennials? Yeah, you know, like I've got, oh, I can't even think of it, that blue flower that comes up. I've got that in pots. I would say leave those, you know, if the pot's big enough, if they're a perennial plant, they're pretty healthy. If you're talking about ageratum or something along that line, um, I would just leave it outside. But you could bring it in your garage if you wanted to. Okay, but the knockout roses should come in. Uh, they, you know, they don't have to, no. Oh, okay. I just do that because I wanted to see how well it would work. Okay. So, no, if your pot's large enough, they can stay out all winter long. Okay, can't wait till next spring. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. We're headed to Edwardsville, and that's where Ron lives. Hi, Ron. Hi, how are you today? Very good. Good. Hey, I was going to ask you a question. I was going to try to get uh, rid of some gr- ground ivy. I believe it's called creeping trolling net. It's oh. uh, like the size of a quarter to a golf ball net. And right. It's, like, overwhelming. Uh, basically, it's almost too late to get rid of it because this, the plant, even though it doesn't seem like it, it's headed towards dormancy. But you could go out and just get some weed be gone and spray it on it. You may be able to weaken it and you may be able to kill some of it off. But next year, just watch for it very closely. Then early in the season, as soon as you start seeing it, then use the broadleaf weed killer, weed be gone, whatever, and spray it on it right then. Okay, then. Is, uh, is, there, uh, is there something? 
Is there something that I, that I could use with uh, where I could spray my whole lawn without killing the grass and killing that also? Yes, We Be Gone does not impact your lawn. All okay. it does now, it will kill other broadleaf weeds that happen to be there, but it doesn't impact your lawn grass. Okay, then. Okay, well, thanks a lot for your time, Mike. Yep, and the reason why, you know, the plants are going dormant this time of year, and also they have a waxy cuticle, you know, to battle the heat in this, you know, that time of, in the summertime, that's why the herbicides become less and less effective. Also, when the nighttime temperatures, you know, start dropping, that starts slowing them down so they're not absorbing in as much stuff. So go after them if you want to now just to try to weaken them, maybe reduce the population, but next spring really go after them. Let's go from Edwardsville to South County and see what's going on with Karen. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I've got some azaleas that we planted maybe three years ago, and there's about six of them, and they're just puny. The leaves are tiny. They're very stick-like. They bloom in the spring, but then nothing really happens with them. Are you fertilizing? I've used the miracle Grow acid on them. Okay. And... Didn't really see any results from that. So I, they're in the shade most of the time. Is that an issue? Well, they like shade. I mean, they can handle the shade. Is a shade from a larger tree? Yes. So probably what's happening is a larger tree, its root system, they don't like to share. So the azaleas, even though you're feeding them, it's, they're probably not getting the adequate you know, food that they need to maybe to be more robust. Also, variety-wise could have something to do with it. So do you know which variety of azalea you got? I don't. Okay. So, and azaleas are really iffy here at best, but uh, just keep fertilizing them, but realize your tree's probably, you know, kind of making them bonsai. So the tree's keeping them small because... The, root, the feeder roots, you know, extend not near the trunk. They're out near the perimeter of the trees as far as the branching, and that's probably what's the limiting characteristic. Ah, okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, and if you want to try them again, you know, those can stay where they are, but in the future maybe put them, you know, in a sunnier location where they can, you know, not be competing, competing with the tree roots. I gotcha. Great. Good luck, with Karen. Good luck, Karen. And also the reason why I'm saying that is when I worked at the English Woodland Garden at the Botanical Garden, the English Woodland Garden was all kinds of woods, 11 varieties of azaleas, and only two varieties really survived. And, I mean, those root systems, those trees were all over the place. So that's, you know, it was variety-wise, but also it was competition with the tree roots. I mean, there were some big trees in the English Woodland Garden. So that's where I kind of learned that these guys, hmm, Really don't like to compete with tree roots. Let's go to Joanne, and she's in St. Charles. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Mike. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. You were talking about hummingbirds? Yes. I had one get in my garage. I For two hours, I tried to get it out. <laughs> How do you get them out if they come into your garage or your home or whatever? Basically, your home, I don't know about no. the home, but just raise your garage door and just leave them alone. They're going to go did. where the most light is, and they're going to go out. If you start what? running around and chasing them, you know, that's, you're going to freak them out, and they're probably going to make some stupid mistakes. Well, I've got a four-car garage, and it would not go out of my garage. It kept going at the ceiling and would not come down lower. Really? You can't really do, no, you can't do anything about it then. No, not really. Okay, and I wanted to ask you about bagworms. I lost one of my pine trees to bagworms last year. I picked probably 300 bagworms off my other evergreen tree, and 
there's still a couple left. The needles are starting to fall off. Does that mean it's going to die then? No. The needle drop no. this time of year with any kind of evergreen that has needles, is you know that's a seasonal type thing. But, yeah, any of those bags can have any place between 20 to 40 different eggs in it. So, consequently, you could next year where you only had one bag hanging, you could end up with 20 or 30 or whatever, you know, from that single bag that's still hanging on there. Well, I sprayed it with seven. Should I spray it again? No. After, no? None of the insecticides can penetrate that bag. doesn't do a thing. Oh, you're kidding me. No, it doesn't. So, seven didn't do a thing. Nope, not at all. Oh, just pick them off is basically all exactly you can do. Exactly right. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. I hope I don't lose my tree, but I might. <laughs> okay. Thank you again. Okay. And now let's go to Harold in St. Louis. Harold, how are you? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Uh, I, I bought a, a gardening magazine last week. It had a bunch of pretty perennials and annuals in there. One thing you said... Some of for acid and some of alkali soil. Now, I know pH factor uh, can be different in each yard, but is that a regional thing, acid and alkali? If it is, what is the pH factor of each one? Uh, basically, the pH, just so it's not too low, too acidic, or too high, too alkaline, Pretty much the perennials or annuals can handle most of it. And with the annuals, they can probably take a more alkaline soil simply because annuals need a lot of fertilizer and fertilizer has alkaline or salty qualities so i wouldn't be too concerned about the ph of your soil i'd be more concerned about just making sure that you kept them well fertilized to keep them nice and robust okay thank you a lot okay great thanks harold and uh let's see probably don't have time to get florence in so florence if you can hang on till the end of the news in the next hour i'll be glad to answer your questions as a lady called earlier this time of year, start watching and looking at your house plants very closely because you're going to bring, be bringing them inside. If you're going to spray like an insecticidal soap or anything, don't spray just the top of the leaf. Spray the underside of the leaves as well. And, you know, those fungus gnats, they only live for a few days. Fungus gnats are just like regular gnats, only they live in more or less potting soils slash potting mixes and all that kind of stuff. You bring them inside and then you'll going to have gnats on the inside so do a drench you can even use you know dishwashing soap and things like that but do it several days in a row because the fungus gnats lay you know are laying eggs constantly at least the females are so that's and get them inside even if you have to take if you have scale or spots or something like that on it just take a wet paper towel and wipe everything off so you make sure that you're getting rid of everything potentially bringing it inside and realize that some of the plants just don't do so well inside like diplodina you know that's well mandevilla vine same thing bring it inside you're going to be disappointed mike miller kmox garden hotline back after the news this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.